Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, Clive, big honor to have you as ever on the show and the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. We're both actually sort of in Yorkshire at the moment. I'm in Sheffield. You're somewhere in somewhere else. I'm at my mother-in-law's. I know. Very tasteful. I was going to say, very tasteful backdrop. It is. It is. I know. I'm not, I wasn't joking. I've never had kind of a floral bouquet behind me as I've spoken before. I might, I might start this. So. Yeah, I think it could be a new thing. It brings I out a so, whole well. new element of your personality, I think. <laughs> so, Clive, um, so we've seen this week, obviously, the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. Now, you're, unlike most Labour MPs, you have actually served in Afghanistan. You're, you're, you're an army mm. veteran. It is notable that in the parliamentary debate, you're the only veteran of that conflict who wasn't actually called to speak. And now that's been reported in the media. Can we just quickly, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the fact that you were not called to speak in a debate about, obviously, a topic you know from first-hand experience? I think it was was unfortunate. Um, You know, there there are are two schools of thought, cock-up and conspiracy. Um, I imagine, you know, people will make take from it what they will. I, I think it was careless at best, if honest, because by by doing that on such a controversial issue, war is always controversial, quite rightly. Uh, and, you know, an ongoing issue like that, if you are going to take out um, dissenting voices who have had experience there, then it, it, it will, you, you're kind of asking for people to, to see conspiracy rather than cock up. I mean, I've spoken to the speaker um, I believe, from his perspective, um, it was a mistake. Uh, it wasn't meant to happen. Um, but obviously, that's the speaker himself. There are you know, other elements um, in Parliament. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. It is what it is. Um, I've spoken to the speaker. I'm, I'm happy with what he's told me. Um, but it's unfortunate. And it does add to the sense that the, the debate in Parliament was highly skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, look, there were other voices, let's be clear, but I think the overwhelming number of voices in Parliament were those who were supporting so-called Western values, liberal interventionism, and saw this as, uh, whilst they may sort of seen the withdrawal as a mistake itself, how it had been conducted, I think they were very much supportive of the whole notion of going into other countries uh, and trying to impose the will of the West, the values of the West, onto the global an international security scene. What you and when I say when yeah. I say values of the West, I say the stated values yeah. of the West. Yeah, I think you understand what I mean. Maybe we can open it out a bit, but yeah, I think no, it's an important distinction. Look, you, as I've said, you served in Afghanistan. What? Just tell me what are your thoughts about this week's events as someone who's been there on the ground. Um, I think I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for the veterans. I have heard them on the, the media. I think it's a sense of um, it's a slight, it's a sense of I think be, of betrayal, um, a sense of what was it for? 
why did we go? I was asking those questions whilst I was there and long afterwards. But I think for a lot of people, it's a rude awakening. It, the, the, I think the futility of it in many ways, there'll be people who say, well, you know, we stopped, you know, the, the Afghanistan being used as a terrorist base. Well, um, I don't think that's true necessarily um, in the sense that where we are now and in the past, possibly it had been um, suppressed, but it didn't get to the causes of why we have international terrorism. Um, and, and that's part of the problem. You know, you know, look, there are bad people that commit crimes and, and commit terrorism. But, you know, the issue I have is I'm, I'm really I was really interested by this kind of and have been interested by this rush uh, of to the defect to the defense of Afghan human rights recently. And, and I just think, where have you been the last 20 years? Um, you know, I was the chair of the all party parliamentary group on on drones. Uh, it's a very, a very established um, and well-funded APPG. And we had whistleblowers from the US drone program who were openly telling us that, you know, that without further authorization, you were able to eliminate hostiles with seven civilians around if necessary bystanders. Um, we know that 90% of the people killed in drone attacks over the last 20 years in Afghanistan have been innocent bystanders, mainly civilians. Uh, I, where, where was that compassion? Where were those Western liberal values while that was happening and is happening all around the world. You know, you, you, you know, if you want to talk about democracy and human rights and values, I want to talk about them. I very much do. You know, we're mm -hmm. fighting against the Tories and eroding our own here in this country. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to do that, then you need to kind of step up. And I just don't think given the wars that are being waged through drones, uh, through special forces over which we have no say, there's no transparency. Um, you know, it just kind of rings hollow, unfortunately, mm -hmm. when you look at the millions of people who have been killed in that war on terror. Well, you know, if millions of people have been killed in, that, in a war on terror, many of them civilians, then who's committing the terror? I mean, are, are, are there really kind of good guys over here, bad guys over there? It really does feel like shades of grey. The narrative around the war in Afghanistan is that the West essentially was playing a civilizing role, bringing democracy and human rights, a great sacrifice to Afghanistan, that this was being turned into democracy. Um, and this is a great retreat, which has essentially handed, as a consequence, Afghanistan over to the Taliban. What's your take in terms of the whole narrative and, and how, I suppose, the, the occupation of the country for the last two decades is generally presented it, it feels very much like a similar narrative that's being kind of um that's being expressed by some are trying to who have for many years and are continuing to try to do it now to rewrite colonial and imperial history that we went to africa that we went to the subcontinent that we went to china to southeast asia um, to australia to new zealand we went to these countries to civilize them to bring mm -hmm the light of democracy uh, and enlightenment to them. But, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is we brought slavery. Um, we brought, you know, mass death. We brought um, poverty. We brought robbery. We took from them. It, it, it's, it's a, a far more complicated picture. Mm -hmm. And I feel that there are overtones of imperial overtones in this notion that we have a right to go into other countries and 
give our values, values which, frankly, on the surface sound fantastic. And I'm someone who believes in those values of liberalism, of uh, looking after each other, of democracy, of transparency, of accounting, all those things I do. But I understand that behind that and beneath that, there is a deep history, uh, which is a lot more darker and complex than the one that we uh, kind of talk about. So I, I have a big issue with this notion of us being able to go in in some kind of post-imperial fashion into countries around the world and dictate to them. The other thing is, when I went, I have, you know, I admit, you know, I, like many people in this country, not all, there are some who were more perhaps enlightened than myself, but when I went into the army, I genuinely thought that I was going to stop terror and I was going to help rebuild Afghanistan. And, you know, I look, the terror is still there, whether it's in Afghanistan or not, if you want. And the country is one of the poorest in the world, you know, in terms of uh, food security, it's the second most vulnerable on the planet. It's got 40% of people have no job. 70% of people live below the poverty line. You know, this is a country that after 20 years of, of Western occupation and development is still in that state. So I do question why we were there, what we did, what we achieved. I'm sure there were lives changed. You know, there were, there was a rekindling, and let's be really clear here, a rekindling of women's rights in Afghanistan. We didn't bring that. That started in the 1920s in Afghanistan. You know, there's a long history of women's rights and liberation of women in Afghanistan. Didn't start with us coming in there with these, with, with notions of, of, of liberation. They were doing that themselves. But yes, we did contribute to that. So there were good things that happened, but there are also a lot of bad things that happened there. And I guess from my perspective, as someone who went over there hoping to make a difference, I understand now that terrorism um, and many of the world's ills are symptoms of a deeper malaise, which is the kind of economic system that we have, political and economic system in this country, in this, on this planet, which I think actually drives, it's drive, driving the climate crisis, mm -hmm. it's driving insecurity, it drives poverty and inequality, it's an extractionist economic uh, policy with institutions globally which, in, in, which enhance that. And I think ultimately much of the, the, many of the problems in the world could be solved by other means rather than simply bombing them, um, which does seem to be the kind of default setting for many in the West when it comes to dealing with um, developing countries. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Just a couple of other things. I mean, we we all are very familiar with the atrocities and human rights abuses committed by the Taliban. 
what is less understood, for example, is take the Afghan local police, 30,000 strong pro-government militia, murdered civilians, committed fraud, engaged in theft, rape, kidnapping, drug trafficking and extortion. That's according to Human Rights Watch. Uh, children be recruited as soldiers. Uh, the Coast Protection Force, backed by the CIA, m- murdered huge numbers of innocent civilians. Afghan detention centres, torture, suffocation, electrocution. Um, I spoke to Anand Gopal, who's a brilliant author, who's been in Afghanistan. Defensively, he said there were dozens of Abu Ghraibs there. Civilian air, I mean, airstrikes uh, between 2017 and 2020, the civilian death toll went up by 300%. And according to UN data, in the last five years, 40% of all civilian casualties from airstrikes were children. And what do you think of that? You know, these were crimes committed by our side. I mean, by yeah. our allies and by yeah. the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, and there's a there's a convenient there's a convenient it seems kind of um, narrative in the media which is is very one sided, which only wants to talk about what's happened elsewhere in the world. Sorry, I, sorry about this. Sorry, I can't. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Don't worry, sorry. I'm doing a lot, mother. <laughs> sorry, we be quick. I promise. Do you want to go past? Come, come, past, past. come past, Kate. Come past. Sorry about that. Is that all we have to cut and edit? Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's kind of endearing anyway, to be honest, but we can just edit it. There you go. It's good. So she needs a pink dress. I do apologize. Oh, well, that's better. I need she fed out of a tree. She fed out of a tree. Oh, is she right? Yeah, I think she is. Oh, she seems her. okay. Bless. Sorry, go on. Yes. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, you know, look, I think one of the things when you, when we, when you, if you look at the front pages of our newspapers, if you look at our media coverage, you know, it has been so scant on looking at the entirety, the complexity mm-hmm. of what's happening there. There, I mean, there's been some research done uh, very recently about the amount of coverage of um, of these atrocities around the world in terms of, for example, Britain's foreign policy um, with Saudi Arabia, with our links to Amman. Uh, these are totalitarian, brutal regimes, repressive regimes. But we happen to have three listening bases. GCHQ has three listening bases in the mind. So we support and help them. We support and help the Saudi government, a government that's tortured and murdered and cut up, you know, a journalist uh, in its embassy. So, um, you know, I think we, you know, it's about joining the dots together Mm -hmm. and about Mm -hmm. understanding that there isn't this notion that we are the good guys and they are the bad guys. You know, the dark Mm -hmm. ops, the drone programs, the bombings, um, the civilian deaths, these Mm -hmm. are on our hands. Now, you know, does that make the Taliban the good guys? Of course it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, but it just requires politicians and the public. And I would love to see our media, uh, mm-hmm. present company excluded, excluded, have that complexity in their deliberations, in their analysis, in their coverage, so that the British public can make a more, more honest and informed decision when it mm-hmm. comes to going to war or mm-hmm. liberal intervention in other countries mm-hmm. or our foreign policy. Um, with Saudi Arabia and others, a, a country which is, you know, causing uh, millions to die from starvation mm-hmm. in the war that it's waging by proxy um, in there. So, you know, I just think it's about having a level playing field of the information and what's happening so people can make an informed choice r- rather than this rather than this quite juvenile approach, which is, you know, very, very, very blinkered. Uh, and that needs to change. You know, just the list that you read out there, I think, is, is, is you know, is, is part of that. Just quickly, because you're with your family, but 
it struck me the parliamentary debate completely divorced from reality because there was almost a sense of Britain could have somehow gone along alone, which was basically the position of some that uh, either the British government could have coerced Joe Biden into staying, which is whatever you think of it, ludicrous, but also somehow, you know, maybe the British could have valiantly fought on and it strips a lot of important context, which just wasn't in the debate. For example, not just the fact that Libya, Iraq and Afghanistan and the so-called war in terror, the number of people who died uh, killed by terrorists in the 16 years up to 2001, doubled, more than doubled after the so-called war in terror cre- uh, was, was launched in 2001, which speaks for itself. It's not just that, it's the specific um, defeats Britain suffered. Uh, Britain was effectively ejected from Basra by Shiite militia in southern Iraq. And then in order to reverse that humiliation in the eyes of the Americans, surged, sent a troop surge into Helmand province in Afghanistan, and then suffered a pretty terrible experience, and the US Marines had to intervene, and Britain left Afghanistan years before the United States, only keeping a skeleton crew there to train uh, local forces. But that wasn't in the debate. There was no sense of this is what Britain, the defeats Britain has suffered. There was almost this sense of, you know, global Britain could somehow have filled a vacuum. But that's just yeah. not... There's, I think there's a, you're right, Owen. I think there's a kind of quite a delusional quality to elements of the debate and elements of the coverage, which is that, I mean, listening to Tony Blair this morning talk about, you know, we're on the verge of becoming a second-rate power. Well, verge, brink. I mean, I, I, I don't say that because I, I want Britain to be anything other than a decent country to live in that plays its part in an international community that can tackle things like the climate crisis and and other pressing concerns and matters. Of course, I want us to play our role in that. But this notion of us being a power, um, Mm. I just think there's so many hang-ups and throwbacks from this kind of colonial imperial era that Britain once ruled the waves. You know, look, yes, maybe we did in the past. Maybe we didn't. But the reality is we're now in the 21st century in an interconnected global community facing an existential threat from the climate crisis, the rise of a gilded age of, of super billionaires and millionaires who are increasing in power, big tech, big data, artificial intelligence. You know, I just kind of feel to myself this notion that the threats facing humanity are the ones that we are generating ourselves in so many ways um, through our economic system, our economic policies. And this notion that we are some kind of superpower that can go around with a big stick telling the rest of the world what to do. They've moved on since the 19th century and the 20th century. This is the 21st century. And I just think, you know, the point that you're making, that we seem to be deluding ourselves, that this wasn't, uh, that we weren't defeated in Afghanistan in many ways, that there was in some way that Britain could have gone in and done all these fantastic things without Biden. It's delusional. You know, where was that money going to come from? We're being told we haven't got enough money to pay our nurses after Mm. a pandemic. They're on 3%. You know, come on. You know, if you can find the money, if you can if you can talk about finding the money for going into Afghanistan on your own when the Americans are putting out, but you can't find the money to pay nurses, to pay teachers, there's there's something quite odd about this and, and fundamentally wrong. And I think an increasing number of people are beginning to realize that, you know. So um, so, yeah, you know, look, I think Owen, ultimately this debate, the debate in Parliament, the way the coverage, the coverage we've seen. It feels there's almost hysterical emotional quality to it, which has which lacks in analysis and reality. Um, and I think your program and others 
and the alternative media scene are doing a really good job of exposing that. Five, we really appreciate it, not least because you are with your family. And I'm glad, though, you weren't able to speak in Parliament, which is whatever the circumstances of travesty. So I'm really glad that you've been able to speak freely here about your thoughts, grounded as they are from your own experience. But we really, really appreciate it, as ever. Legend. Thank you, Owen. Good to speak. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash Owen Jones 84. Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.